hottest room in Seminole sports. This is Tomahawk Talk. We are live on 89.7 FM here in Tallahassee and streaming live online at wvfs.fsu.edu. For one last time, I am your host, Brett Rutherford, and we have a lot to cover in this one. It's been a long, long time since we were last here, live and in studio at WVFS, and man, a lot has changed. We had a ton of plans for this show and all the things we wanted to do throughout the spring and summer, but in March, everything changed. We continue doing the show as a podcast almost every week up to this point, but nothing is better than doing it live, and that's what we're here to do tonight. With that being said, even though we're back, things are still very strange. I am in the host chair, masked and alone here in the DJ booth. The other voices you'll be hearing on tonight's show are also masked and in their own rooms. We are taking every precaution and then some, but we honestly feel that that's what it takes to make sure you guys can hear Tomahawk Talk live every week, especially with the start of football coming in just a few weeks. If you'd like to call into the show tonight, you can dial us up at 850-644-1837. That is 850-644-1837. If you do call in, try to call in right at the start of our break, halfway through the hour, right around 7.30, give or take. We do have a bare-bones crew tonight, just three of us here, and none of us are in the same room. So we're working some things out, trying to work through the kinks before we get the show going throughout the fall semester. So please bear with us if we can't get into your call. Like I said, this is my last show as host at the halfway point coming right out of the break. We're going to have some announcements about Tomahawk Talk and V89 Sports and the future of the department, and it is bright as ever, let me tell you. I am joined, as always, by my good friend and co-host, Gary Putnick. Gary, you know as well as I do, it's been a long summer. I haven't seen you in person since March. Uh, since we wrapped our last show here, we might have went to dinner that night. It was one of the last times we've probably been to a restaurant, if we're being honest. But now, looking at you through this glass window in the tank, uh, what's going on, man? Um, just a lot of excitement right now, honestly, for me right now. It it feels great to be back in studio. We haven't been back in here in forever, it feels like. So I'm just pumped to be back here, and I don't know. It's going to be a great show. It is. It is. And I know we're, we're all separated. We like to be sitting next to each other, have panelists in here. Sometimes it can get a little crowded in here. Mm-hmm. We've got people running Twitter tonight. Austin Reynolds, the wonderful Austin Reynolds, he's on Twitter. He's not here. He's doing it from home. So shout out to Austin. Uh, he was our unsung hero last semester at the station. And also in the production booth is our producer, Sebastian Angeliano. I think we're working through some technical difficulties with Sebastian. I know he can hear us. I don't know if we can hear him. Let's, but, uh, let's what's find out now? right now. Can you hear me? Can you hear me yeah, at all? I don't, I don't think the sound is working there. That's we're going to work through that. Like I said, we're working through the kinks. We get a completely different setup, but we're just glad be back here in studio and like i said we did podcasts throughout the summer and we had a lot of fun doing it we did some trivia i know gary won some titles i think he won three times three or four three times or four. can't keep i can't won keep a couple <laughs> uh gabe tisness from the station he was on he killed it luke hazen i think won alex de priest mm-hmm. uh, he won a lot of fun stuff we covered a lot of stuff with the trivia but the reason we had to do trivia is because there was not really any sports to talk about we watched some reruns of some old games. We watched The Last Dance together that commemorated the career of, of Michael Jordan. Uh, and uh, honestly, it, it, it was it was tough getting through the summer without sports. But now we have sports. At the same time, we've got Major League Baseball, which is, even though they've only been playing for about a month, are already in their pennant race. You've got the NBA playoffs going on. You've got the Stanley Cup playoffs going on. And you've also got the NFL getting ready to get going in here in a couple of weeks. And the same thing with college football. I know October's are generally a 
an exciting month in sports in general. But this year, I mean, you could see the NBA Finals, the Stanley Cup Finals, the uh, NFL season fully underway, college football fully underway, plus the Major League Baseball postseason all going on at one time. I don't know if we've ever seen anything like that. And that's going to give the, the crew here at Tomahawk Talk a lot of stuff to talk about. But the big story we want to get to tonight is Luka Doncic. Gary, I mean, this man is going off for the Dallas Mavericks. That series is tied 2-2 with the LA Clippers right now. I mean, I love Luka. I, I, I always thought he was a great player. But the performance he put on uh, last night against the Clippers, I mean, that was nothing short of incredible. What were, what were your thoughts? I mean, how is he going to be able to keep this up? I didn't first expect this out of him, this playoff, this time around the playoffs, especially because they were going up against the Clippers. I think last week in our show and our podcast, I said that the Clippers would sweep the Mavericks. So that's looking very bad as for me right now. But he's stepped up and he's proven that he's not just a young gun uh, just trying to get some experience in the playoffs. He wants to win right now in the playoffs. And I love seeing that out of him. And he's got a ton of help right now, even on his team. It's not just him doing this right now. One of the guys that really, in my opinion, that stepped up and probably not the name you're thinking of right now, but Seth Curry. Yes, the other Curry brother. He's been playing well too. He's had two 15-point games, a 14-point game, and I believe a 22-point game so far. So I'd say that's pretty solid. I want to make sure everyone heard that clearly through mm-hmm. Gary's mask. That's Seth Curry. S-E-T-H. Not Steph Curry, who is not in the bubble. I know he had an injury-riddled season, but Golden State ends up at the number two pick. We can talk a little oh, bit about Lord. that later <laughs> on. Because uh, I do want to talk about the draft, including with Luka Doncic. But we did our NBA first-round playoff preview last week on the podcast. I know I had the Clippers winning, but I don't remember how many games I had it going. Five or six. I definitely didn't have mm-hmm. it going seven. Do you remember what you had? I had a sweep. Like I said, I had the wow. Clippers sweeping the Mavericks, but that was only because I assumed Playoff P would step up. And Playoff P is nowhere to be found right now. He is absent, whatever. He's absent during syllabus week, and he has only put up like, I think he's put up less than 10 points just about every single game with an abysmal yeah. uh, field goal percentage as well. Well, yeah, I mean, it's. I definitely didn't have a sweep, but I probably had like five games, maybe six. I, yeah. I'm a huge, like, yeah, five games that, you know, the Clippers will take care of business. I do think the Clippers are still going to win this series. I don't think you can get much worse for Paul George. And I also really hate, like, the hate that he's getting. This man was third in MVP voting last season. This is one of the best players in the NBA. This is the player that Kawhi Leonard wanted, to, wanted to, him to join uh, the Clippers when he went there and left Toronto last offseason. Do you think it's fair, the, the amount of hate in the public sphere and the media sphere that Paul George is getting? Yeah, of course. I mean, he he was the one who came up with the nickname Playoff P. He did. Okay, so I didn't know that. It's his, it's his own doing right now. I mean, he's asking for this. So when you're not able to step up in these big moments, and at this moment, okay, he I forgot, he had a 27-point game in the first game of the series. So, hey, he did that. But still, when it counts right now, they blew a 21-point lead in their last game. Correct me if I'm wrong there, but... You, you need to step up if you're this guy. You're the guy that uh, Kawhi Leonard wanted to go down here to play with. So, I mean, it, why can't he step up in that moment? I know he had the whole Gatorade commercial where he hit that shot or whatever, but, I mean, he just can't do it when it matters. Are, are you changing your pick now in this series? Do you think the Mavericks have the momentum and Luka Doncic is at the peak of his game and his young career to where he can get them past the Clippers and get into the second round? I I'm not going to change the pick. The Clippers are still going to win this series, but I think it could go seven, honestly, because of the way that it's playing out right now and because of the way Paul George is maybe kind of in his own head, possibly, this could go the distance. I don't know. What do you think on this one? Well, here's the thing I want to say. I think 
you've got the two ends of the spectrum here. Paul George, severely underperforming in the last game. Mm-hmm. Luka Doncic, amazing player, but you don't average 43 points. He, that was an overperformance from an amazingly talented player. So I think if both of those players kind of regress back to the mean in the, for the rest of the series, for the last three games, I do think it has a good potential to go seven. I don't see either team winning both of these with how close it's been so far. I think the Clippers are still the deeper and the better team. So I, I probably had Clippers in five. Give me Clippers in seven. Luke has been amazing. That leads to the larger discussion, though. Like, this is year two for Luka Doncic. Mm-hmm. Is this his league to carry forward for the next 10, 15 years? I mean, it very well could be, depending on how we see Zion play out with maybe his injuries. But then again, Zion isn't the same sort of player that Luka is because Luka's, I'd say, more of a complete player in the sense that he can shoot, drive, do a little bit of everything, whereas Zion's more of a post player. So when you got a guy that can do everything and who's got some size to him, I mean, what's going to stop him at this point? Because I know you would say Trey Young, you would say John Morant, you could say all these other young guys, and those are all really good players when you get down to it, at their, especially at their age. I still, Luka might just be leaps and bounds ahead of these, like, year, what, the, like, the sophomore, junior kind of age of these NBA players? Yeah, I, I mean, he definitely is thus far. Now, mm-hmm. the question is, can he keep that up throughout the rest of his career? I have no evidence to believe otherwise. Let's look at the 2018 draft where he, where he was taken. In the number three spot, you had the Dallas Mavericks trading up to get this pick. The Atlanta Hawks trading down to number five where they took Trey Young. But that initial picture, Luka Doncic in a Hawks cap. I know Austin Reynolds is listening. I'm sorry, Austin. But, I mean, like, I, I, they, Trey Young, another amazing player. I, I think another all-star. I think he was an all-star this year. Yeah. Uh, yes, one was. of the best scorers, young scorers in the league. How much of a mistake was it to not take Doncic over Young? I think it. I it's looking like a big mistake right now. It's obviously it's the sliding doors thing. What if it's a butterfly effect? But I it's it looks like a huge mistake on their behalf right now. It's like saying a lot of people with the Marlins like, oh yeah, you traded away so and so. Like you traded away Miguel Cabrera and he goes on to win the triple crown. What what happened there? But. I don't know. Christian Yelich, MVP. Hey, we we got the MVP out of Stanton, though, so ha. (laughs) But either way, I mean, with Atlanta, were they going to build the same kind of core that uh, they have in Dallas now around Luka? So, I mean, sometimes the environment that he's in facilitates that growth and facilitates that sort of play. So, I don't know, maybe he would have been the same sort of player that he is right now, but who really could say? I mean, in Atlanta, I don't want to knock Atlanta at all. No, Trey Young, great (laughs) player. You got to see him play in the United States. Now, I know Luka Doncic was, like, unreal in Europe, but mm-hmm. it is Europe, and, and, and when you're scouting that, that makes a difference. Trey Young was killing it in the Big 12 at Oklahoma, had an amazing season there, and they have a great young core, too. They've, they've got Trey Young. They've got John Collins. They went and got Clint Capella from the Houston mm-hmm. Rockets. Uh, they, they made a trade for him. You know, if it, if it works out for Atlanta, they're a little bit further behind in their, pro, in their rebuilding process right now than Dallas is. Dallas was able to bring in Kristaps, before Atlanta, you know, before Atlanta started making these moves, they are putting the pieces together to succeed. But Atlanta might not be far behind. And if it works out for them, like if they make it to the start making it to the playoffs in the next year or two, I mean, you, you can't like lose sleep over the fact that you don't have Luka Doncic on your team. Yeah, especially if he goes on to win an MVP. 
I, that's obviously the big thing. But you just spoke about Clint Capella. The Rockets just lost 117-114 to 114 to the OKC Thunder. So they're down 3-2 now? It is tied 2-2 two oh, two two two. right now. That was game four. So I don't know. The th- I had the Thunder winning that series in the, against the Rockets, but I don't know. Small ball might not be working out for them. I think I had that one going 6 or 7, but I did have the Rockets. Again, I think they'll be fine. Is Westbrook out for the whole series? I honestly don't know. I do not know. He was out today, though. He was wearing a number eight Kobe Bryant gold jersey on the sidelines. So, obviously, very nice touching tribute. August 24, 824. I mean, it's crazy. Like, back in January, it was like my second show as host was the Mm -hmm. show of the day after after Kobe died. And it feels like years ago. I know. It feels like so long ago. It's crazy. And yesterday was Kobe's birthday, 823. So, 823, 824 kind of synonymous with the Bryant name. Yeah, I did see Westbrook wearing that number eight jersey, which is like the only time it's acceptable to wear another team's jersey. Yeah, really. <laughs> going into a game. I'll, I'll, let's keep talking about the t- 2018 draft. A ton, tons of talent in this. Mm-hmm. DeAndre Ayton, who had a little bit of trouble getting his feet underneath him, but again, a part of a good young Phoenix team that played really well in the bubble. He was the number one overall pick that year. You go through, you go down the list, Luka Doncic, Trey Young, Mo Bamba, who's had some ups and downs in Orlando. Shai Gilgis-Alexander, who's on that Thunder team that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. He's really talented. Uh, he's a player that they shot out. Michael Porter Jr., yeah, hit or miss. Dante DiVincenzo, out in Milwaukee. Uh, Kevin Herter, another player that the Hawks have, part of their, their young uh, core. Lonnie Walker doing, doing things out in uh, San Antonio. Landry Shamet with the uh, Clippers has played a, a, a pretty big role in, in their path to the top. I mean, this could go down if all these players develop in the same trajectory that they're going right now. This could be one of the most talented draft classes in recent memory, don't you think? Yeah, and it's one that I wasn't even really expecting. When I kind of watched the season play, I was like, okay, yeah, Trey Young will be up there. I didn't know who the heck Luka Doncic was when he was drafted because I'm not huge into fall. I wasn't, I, even at that time, I wasn't huge into following NBA like pre-draft boards and everything like that, but Luka Doncic was not on my radar one bit, but... I mean, it's certainly looking pretty solid right now. Even Hey, you even got Grayson Allen in there, and he's playing in uh, Utah. Yeah, no, definitely. And i got to give the 2017 uh, class credit, too. Lonzo Ball, Jason Tatum, Donovan Mitchell, Bam Adebayo, guys that are killing, uh, you know, Zach Collins was in that class, Laurie Markkinen, uh, Jonathan Isaac uh, mm-hmm. for the Magic. Uh, you know, he dealt with that injury, but was a really good player when he was coming into form there. So, yeah, I mean, lots of young talent, and still the 2019 draft which was probably at the jump the most heralded out of all of them. A lot of time for them to you know develop some talented players. Zion Williamson and John Morant, who were leading in the Rookie of the Year chase this year, they went one and two, so they're seemingly panning out. Uh, and I think in the NBA, a lot like Major League Baseball, and I don't compare those two leagues that often, they're going through something right now where there is this new guard of players coming in, and it's kind of a fight to see who's going to become the face of this new generation over in Major League Baseball, it's like between, I'd say, like Aaron Judge and Fernando Tatis probably. In the NBA, it could be very well between, you know, Luka Doncic, uh, Jason Tatum, um, uh, uh, Trey Young. Zion. Could, and Zion. I would say those are probably the four. And Zion didn't really play enough for me to make full conclusions on him. But just the name alone, you know, draws a reaction and puts him in the conversation with the phenom that he was, you know, at Duke. We, we saw we got to experience that live firsthand here mm. in Tallahassee but amazing stuff and in and you gotta love watching what Luca did uh, I do want to talk about though the, the decision by the Clippers to put Reggie Jackson on him for that last shot I mean you've got some great perimeter defenders on that team and Reggie Jackson isn't at the top of that list 
Where is Kawhi Leonard? Where are some of these other players on your team? Why is Reggie Jackson the one guarding Luka Doncic in that moment? I honestly have no idea. I don't know what Doc was doing at that moment in time, and it's... Why not the claw? Like you said, why not the claw? If they do lose this series, that's going to be the moment. I mean, obviously, that's the biggest moment of the series thus far, the buzzer beater in Mm -hmm. overtime in such a crazy high-scoring game like that. But that decision right there is going to be the one that sticks out for the national media, for the L.A. media, and and for those Clippers fans. Uh, That one's going to sting, and it's going to sting until they, they get back on track in this series. Let's move on to another bit of disappointing basketball from the Eastern Conference. (laughs) The Philadelphia 76ers, who can't quite seem to get it figured out uh, many years ago now. The process was what they dubbed it, bringing in, acquiring all these draft picks, quote-unquote, they they might have been tanking, some would say, in the regular season. They they bring in three high draft picks, uh, Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons, Markel Fultz, this is going to be the core three. You've kind of got every single type of player in that mix that was going to lead the Sixers back to success. Brett Brown was going to be the head coach. Uh, They had some issues in the front office, but Brett Brown, after the Sixers were swept by the Boston Celtics in the first round of the NBA playoffs, Brett Brown fired today by the Philadelphia 76ers. Is that a move that shocks you, Gary? Not really, especially when it felt like the Sixers honestly gave up a little bit. Once they got down once they got down in the series, it just I mean, you saw really no fight out of them. I know they like they worked it back a little bit every now and then in the games, but I don't know. I just never felt like the Boston or Boston was at any threat of losing the series or losing a game, honestly. Yeah, it's the point where it's like, all right, if this is the where the the height of where the Sixers can get. Well, I guess it would be last year when they went to game seven of the Eastern Conference Finals. And lost to an amazing Toronto team. You know, like an absolutely amazing Toronto team. And in devastating fashion. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was such a close series. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Philadelphia is going to get better with a new head coach. That's the biggest question mark here. Brett Brown's been there for seven years. That's a long time, especially if you haven't won any titles. That's a long time in almost any sport to not win a championship and to stay in that same position for that long. That's not a knock on Brett Brown. Maybe it was time to move on. But do you think it could get better from here, no matter who they hire for the Philadelphia 76ers? I don't know. It's tough to say because how much is a coach going to change the mentality of this team? Because if we see the mentality sort of be a little bit broken at the end of the series, maybe because they've been in the bubble for a few months, like, was it been a month now or over a month? So maybe they're just mentally drained from it, but it's tough to kind of just say, Hey, new guy, you're going to be the changing. You're going to be the one uh, flip that's, or the switch that's going to flip and everything is going to go right because I don't think it is. And Philly is not in true, not progressing in the right way because Whenever they once they got Hinky out of there, Sam Hinky, their old GM who started the process and who tried to keep it all going, was ousted by the NBA really, and then they went through the whole Colangelo fiasco and everything. Everything started to go downhill, and that's when Philly, like we all, could kind of sit back and say, "Okay, Philly isn't going to be making that much noise anymore," and they've kind of gone off the, they've gone away from the process. So, I don't know. Do you think they're really going to make any big? Ch- I don't know it. Because how much have you seen really every now and then where an M, uh, where an NBA coach is going to make the biggest change in culture, kind of, especially with a team that's kind of already set in like this? Well, there's one glaring example, Golden State, mm-hmm. with yeah. Steve Kerr coming in for Mark Jackson and, and them obviously going on to do some amazing things. I think Mark Jackson played a role in that the same way that I think if a new coach comes into Philly, 
goes on to have success, Brett Brown is going to be a part of that success. He did lay the foundation. But this might be the most damning statement or, or question that I'll ask you. Mm-hmm. Say you're free agent coach, you're jobless coach, you're looking for a job, and you're the number one guy on the market for every team, consensus number one guy. You can go to either the New Orleans Pelicans right now or the Philadelphia 76ers. Who do you take? New Orleans is looking mighty tasty at this moment in time. So I think, I don't know, I, I would be leaning towards New Orleans, but obviously there's that kind of image of going to Philly and turning around that frame, or not really turning it around because they've been relatively turned around for a bit now, but just getting them back on track. Yeah. And I don't know, they have the pieces there. They have maybe just need a couple more guys. I know Tobias Harris was supposed to be one of those big uh, filler spots this year, but I don't know. I, I think I would probably go with New Orleans. What about yourself? I would take the Chicago Bulls. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, I am kidding. Sorry, I don't know if Luke Hazen's listening. I know Oops. he's a Bulls fan. But, uh, this, the Sixers is tough, and I think if, that, if I were in that position, I'd have to ask myself, can I get it to work with Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons on the same team? Mm-hmm. If the answer is yes, I take the Sixers' job. Joel Embiid, when he's healthy, is, one of, is a top three center in basketball. And you could make the argument that at his best, he is the number one center in, in, in all of basketball. Ben Simmons, I don't even think he needs to develop a shot. If he doesn't develop a shot, though, you either need A, another piece, or you need a, a lesser player to be your number one ball handler on that team. Ben Simmons is an explosive, extremely talented player. But in today's NBA, the guy that's going to touch the basketball more than anyone else on your roster has to be able to shoot it. And I think we've seen plenty of examples of that. Look at the teams that are still, you know, in the playoffs today. With that being said, I, like the Pelicans, you get the chance to mold it for yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Alvin Gentry was there, but it's like if you go on to have success with the Pelicans, like that's your team, that's your baby. Zion, Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, Drew Holiday. You know, you've got a really good young team to work with. A team that was not that far off from making the playoffs this year. The other question is. Can you get free agents to come down to New Orleans? And I know that's kind of been the big debate in the NBA. Philadelphia a little more enticing than going down to the Bayou, don't you think? Yeah, in a way you could say that. But maybe New Orleans is starting to come up beyond that come up right now to say, hey, we can get some good guys and we can be a spot to maybe make a run at a title. But before we get on to anything else, I want to ask you one question here. Yeah. Do you think it's more likely that the Sixers will make it back to the Eastern Conference Finals in the next five years, or let's just say next three years, or that either Ben Simmons or Joel Embiid will no longer be with the Sixers in those next three years? Well, I think if if one of those is true, then it makes getting back to the Finals a lot harder. Mm -hmm. Because I do think they're a better team with both of them. I know they didn't always play that way this season, but I can't see getting rid of one of them and being like, all right, we're better now, no matter who, like, unless you added well, someone that's but that would, better than them. But this would then mean if they were to get rid of one of those two guys that they would maybe be committing more to a rebuild or a, fre- a fresh start. Right. So I'm going to go ahead and take the the either Ben Simmons or Embiid leaving the organization through a trade. Yep. With the, If they do that, though, if that's the move they decide to make, let's say they trade Ben Simmons. Mm-hmm. They're not going to be able to bring back an all-star in that trade. Those don't happen all that often. It's going to be draft picks. Yep. And then you're back to square one. I know you've still got Embiid and some other talented players there, but then you're back to just acquiring draft picks and saying, all right, let's take a gamble on this guy. Let's take a gamble on that guy. 
because we talk about Simmons and Embiid and the players they are. Markel Fultz did not work out for Philadelphia. He's becoming a pretty good, you know, player for the Magic, but he's not a number one pick. He's not that talented of a point guard. So it goes to show you, like, draft picks, they're gambles. You've got two good players in Embiid, in Simmons now. I think that's the dilemma that, that Philly's in, and I think it's one they're going to have to deal with sooner rather than later. Before, before we move on, any coaching candidates you think might be in line for the Philadelphia job? Well, as a joke, I wrote down Mark Jackson, but that's probably not going to happen, even though there, there might be some movement of him going somewhere. I don't know where at this moment, but also another name that I was reading beforehand uh, a little bit earlier on is Sam Cassell and yes. Florida State name. So that was someone that I took a little bit of time to read through just to kind of see where the Philly media was at and seeing like who would they want. And Sam Cassell was popping up when I was looking through some websites this afternoon. I, I think he'd be the first Florida State basketball player to get a, a head coaching job in the NBA. I, I don't know that for certain. But, uh, yeah, I'd love to see Sam Cassell get an opportunity. If not in Philly, you know, maybe in New Orleans, maybe in Chicago. I don't think there's going to be any other NBA jobs opening up. But, I mean, who knows? The, you know, we've seen teams get rid of their head coaches, like Philly just did, after getting eliminated from the playoffs, if they think that they need to move on. So, it's not all decided yet, but yeah, Sam Cassell would be a guy that I'd really love to see. He's had, he, you know, he's been a part of Doc Rivers' staff. Uh, I think Doc Rivers gave, get, kind of gave him the reins in their last regular season game in the mm-hmm. bubble, and he led the team to a win. And in that game, Florida State alum uh, Terrence Mann, 25 points, 10 rebounds, 9 assists, almost a triple-double. Uh, incredible stuff from him, and he, he's had a pretty bright rookie season for, for a second-year draft pick. Uh, but yeah, I, I'd love to see Sam Cassell get it. I don't know if Philly's going to be that spot. But I'm all for it. Like, I, I would be a Philly, not a Philly fan, but I'd be, like, rooting for them if he does get that job. I'll root for any team where, where he goes to because I'd love to see a former Florida State player. I don't know if I'd root for Philly, though, if he was there. It's yeah. still tough to, for me to root for Philly after all the hate they gave Jimmy Butler, my boy Jay Butt, when he left for Miami. Do you want some bad news about Jimmy Butler? I don't know if you've heard already. I got the update on my watch. Yeah. Doesn't look too uh, – he so, left with a shoulder injury. Is that what I, it was? I don't know. I just saw Jimmy Butler injury. So Let me see. Is Butler questionable to return? Heat star suffered a left shoulder strain in game four against the Pacers. So, Not good. Not good for Jay Butt. Uh, the Heat have an eight-point lead right now, about halfway through the second quarter. Uh, playing the Indiana Pacers, and they've got a 3-0 series lead, so they should be able to get through this series <laughs> as long as something that has never <laughs> happened before happens. Uh, but, yeah, bad, if, if he's out for a significant period of time, that'd be bad news for the Miami Heat. He was the big piece they brought in to add to their young, talented roster. Let's, let's go around the league, the NBA, and talk about some of the more surprising things we've seen. Oh, one thing I do got to mention. Yeah, Sebastian, our producer, we couldn't get him on the air on the mic, at least not yet. But uh, he, he, he mentioned it on the podcast a bunch. But Matisse Thibault's vlogs from the bubble, a member of the Sixers, uh, really great entertaining stuff. I love seeing this player-driven content. I think it's what a lot of fans want to see. And uh, Thibault's content was just that. His vlogs were just that. So, yeah, uh, big RIP to uh, his vlogs inside the NBA bubble. Will we see a clickbait vlog where, like, my coach just got fired, in and, all like, caps? The, the, the thumbnails, him, like, grabbing his face. Like, <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Maybe. Who knows? If he wants, if he's really after the views, I don't know how much he gets paid, but I think he's a, on a rookie contract. So, yeah, looking around the league, uh, you mentioned the Thunder take down the Rockets, 2-2. Uh, the, the Milwaukee Bucks. So they have a 3-1 series lead on the Orlando Magic. But just like last year when the Magic beat the Raptors in game one of the first round as an eight seed, or they might have been, they were the seventh seed last year, 
and the Raptors were two because the uh, the Heat, I think, were the eight seed last year. Yes, I believe you're so right. So this year, the Magic are the eight seed. They're playing the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, many people think how I think they might have had the best odds to win the NBA Finals, uh, set by the odds makers. The Magic go out there and they win Game One handily. Now, since then, the Bucks have kind of you know put it back on them. But today it was a very close game going into the fourth quarter. The Bucks went on a huge run. I think they got their lead up to 20 at some point in the fourth quarter. But then the Magic trimmed it down again, and then the Bucks took over again. I do not have any doubt in the world that Milwaukee's going to finish off this series. It's 3-1 now. All they got to do is take one more game, and they'll probably do it pretty easily. But given the couple times they've struggled in this series against the Magic, are you worried about them getting through the East at all? I don't know if you worry about the Milwaukee Bucks, but... Or like, do you think that they're in trouble Go further in the East? Yeah, I think they're going to be in a bit of trouble. Well, not if Jimmy Butler's out for the Heat. I mean, granted, the Heat have some a good amount of depth on that roster there, but I think the Heat are going to have a lot easier time than a lot of people think because the Heat went 3-1 and one against them in the season series this year. They Their only loss came in a bubble game. So that kind of, that says something to, uh, that says something right there, but yeah. I don't know. I right now, I as a Heat fan, I'm liking what what I see right now out of the Bucks, and that it's n- not anything super. Like it's not anything super. Like it's not Luka Doncic going off like that. Like if that's what we are seeing out of Giannis, I know he's playing well, but I'm not that worried as a Heat fan. So you're saying as a Heat fan, what about some of the other teams in the in the East? Let's talk. Let's talk about Boston. Let's talk about Toronto. Yes, Toronto. Toronto, they're the NBA champions. They're the defending NBA champions. They won it last year. Kawhi Leonard was there for a year, won his title, goes on to L.A. I think the Raptors fans were, were okay with that. They made their piece. They got their, their their ring. They got their trophy. They knew Kawhi wasn't going to be there long term. He goes off to L.A. A lot of people are worried about what would happen in Toronto. We've got Nick Nurse at the helm, who is not a super experienced coach. When he got the job, he wasn't very like well regarded in the in the coaching sphere, at least not publicly. Um, but they've they've got they've got some really good pieces, and that's led them to a really successful season. They got probably the easiest matchup in the first round of the playoffs, playing the Nets, who are completely you know their 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 roster is completely depleted via injury and people opting out of the season. But they swept them, and they really did not show any signs of showing up. Uh, I predicted a sweep. It happened. Uh, the, the the Raptors looked amazing. Fred Van Vliet had a great series. They've got Pascal Siakam as well, uh, Kyle Lowry, Marc Gasol. Uh, if it's not the Bucks, and you had to, to make a bet, would you bet on the Raptors to win the East? Yeah, either them right now or the Celtics. I know I'm going to get rid of the Heat bias for okay. this one. The Heat I'm culture goes out that. the window right now. But, yeah, I like the Raptors the most if it's not the Bucks. And did you see how many points their bench scored last night against the Nets? It was incredible. Yeah, I mean, they're like they're deep. And that's part of the reason they won the title last year. Oh, yeah. I know Kawhi was like the central piece. But that's part of the reason they won the title. But uh, do you know the exact number that the bench scored last night? No, what is it? The bench scored 100 points for them in their 150 to 122 win over the Brooklyn Nets. Incredible. Well, we, are, we do have to go to break. We already went a little over. Um, but, yeah, keep it tuned to Tomahawk Talk here on The Voice of Tallahassee. Uh, WVFS Tallahassee. (laughs) It's been a while. WVFS Tallahassee, the voice of Florida State. The night was black. It was the blackest that I've ever seen. I stopped a stranger and asked which way to go. He's right. 
Coming off our break, uh, we've got a special guest before we move into the second half of the show. Uh, Luke Fay calling into the show. Luke, what's up, man? I'm doing well. How are you doing, Brett? It's uh, It's been a long time since you've been in the booth, and uh, really we've been talking sports in, uh, in this regard. Yeah, you know, it's March feels like uh, a decade ago. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's just glad to be back. Like walking up the stairs or going up the elevator into Diffin Ball, into the radio station, even though, you know, we're not, not as many people here as I'd like. I want to see everyone's face, but it's not the safe thing to do now. So we're glad just to be back. Yeah, it, it kind of feels the same with regards that school is starting and sports are going on, but it just feels so much different as well. Like uh, almost like a groundhog day. Like you just woke up and then it happened. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and we, we just, we honestly, we weren't sure if we were going to be able to get back in studio. So com- just entirely grateful to, to be here and, have the chance to talk live and get to talk to you on air. Yeah. Uh, Brett, I have a question for you and Gary before I go. Um, as you guys know, on Friday, the NCAA voted to let fall athletes compete without a year of eligibility. Uh, the same thing happened for the spring. I, I want your thoughts on what it would be like for a 24-year-old to keep on playing college football or another sport um, compared to the high schooler who is going to lose out on that scholarship. Yeah, let's let's jump into that, and, and and thank you for your call. Thank you for your question, Luke. Uh, that, that's a, I mean, that's a great point. We're going to see rosters manipulated with this extra year of eligibility given to almost all athletes. Uh, I think the NCAA has got to change the way the rosters are set up. I don't know if that means more scholarships. A lot of schools are going through some financial troubles the, with the pandemic, 
but the, there's going to be no way that they're going to be able to fit under the same roster stipulations with all these players who choose to come back getting an extra year of eligibility. Yeah, and uh, it's yeah. You mentioned the financial troubles. So where would that money exactly come from? Is the big question there. So it's I don't know. It's a bit weird that they're letting them all have that eligibility still for a whole nother year. I really wasn't expecting that. I understood for the players in the spring who didn't have the chance to finish out their season, whether it be baseball, softball, golf, track and field, all those other great sports. But for football and all that, like it's still weird because I know right now, obviously, for the schools that are playing, like the ACC, the SEC, it feels like they should kind of just have them used up that eligibility, eligibility, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't know, but I think it's just because we don't know how long this season is going to go. Like the the red shirt time period is like you can play four games in mm-hmm. football and still keep your red shirt. What happens if the season goes five games? You appear in all five games, and then all of a sudden it gets canned. So I think they're kind of just laying the groundwork to say like. We have no idea how this year is going to go. Here's a free year. A lot of guys aren't going to come back. Yeah. You know, a lot of these guys, when, like Luke said, if they get to 24 years old, just aren't going to come back and play. Uh, but, yeah, it does open up the possibility of James Blackman being the Florida State quarterback as, like, late as 2022. Maybe 2023 if there's an extra waiver in there somehow. More so, JV1. That's all I heard with for Luke's question. Like, it feels like he's been here for so long. <laughs> I mean, like, back in 2017, like, when we were first, you know, it was our first year here. He took over for Francois and then obviously, you know, rode the bench in Willie's first year, became the starter of the year after that. Probably going to be the starter again this year. He's going to have, a you know, two more years of eligibility after that. So the James Blackman train keeps on rolling. Uh, we do have some announcements to make. We're going to talk more about Florida State football and how their fall camp is going later on in the show. Uh, but, yeah, we're moving into the fall semester. This is my last show as host. So we've got announcements to make. First, our producer who... We were hoping it was on the mic. Uh, we could not get that to work. We're going to try to get that working for you guys starting next week. But our producer, Sebastian Androiano, will be remaining on as producer for this year, uh, but will also be playing a much larger role on Tomahawk Talk every week. Like I said, he's going to be here along with two other people uh, doing the show every week. We're going to get his microphone up and running. Uh, we'd love to hear his insight on the NBA season and the Champions League final that we're going to talk about here in a second. Uh, but we're going to get that sorted out by next week for you guys. He's also going to be head of our podcasts. Uh, he's got some great stuff planned for his own show, Tomahawk Talk Graveyard Shift, that he's done an amazing job on, kind of covering uh, some of the stuff, the big the big stories that we don't have time to, to fit within this hour that we have every week on Tomahawk Talk. Um, so some great stuff over there. There's some great episodes already. If you look up Tomahawk Talk uh, Graveyard Shift, you can find some great episodes that we've already done on there. Uh, Gary and I have each made appearances, I think, on that show. Uh, joining the show on a full-time basis is Austin Reynolds. He is going to be the new co-host moving forward. He is on Twitter tonight, probably for one of his last times, maybe his last time running the Twitter feed. Uh, he's doing a great job of it. I've been following along. But, uh, yeah, he's not in studio, but he's going to be here next week. I'm very excited for him to join the Tomahawk Talk team, be on here every week, every Monday night, and uh, really exciting stuff can't really ask much more from a person like Austin. He is one of the one of my favorite people here at the radio station, puts in the work, and is just a great all-around guy. And I'm excited to tune in and hear him next week. Also, and with myself uh, leaving the host chair, Gary Putnick, he's going to be sliding on over here to be the new host of Tomahawk Talk. Gary was an incredible panelist for his first couple years at V89, was the co-host with Luke Fay when he was host uh, with myself for this, the past eight months. He's going to make a fine host himself. Uh, Gary and Sebastian 
having worked with both of you guys throughout this year, and I know that both of you are going to continue to take good care of Tomahawk's Hawk. Uh, you, you guys are a huge help to me throughout the, this pandemic that no one could expect. And uh, getting to do this last show live here was awesome. I'm glad I can announce you guys moving forward. So, Gary, you know, uh, I'm very happy to see the show move over to, to you and to see you, Austin, and Sebastian kind of carry this thing forward through the fall and spring. Uh, I'm, I'm excited for you guys. Thank you, and thank you for all that you've done, and especially thank you to Luke Faith, Nick Carlisle, um, Michael Hudak, Clint uh, Island, all those guys that kind of helped uh, you, me, and everyone through the past few years. I mean, we wouldn't be here today without them, honestly. Yeah, you know, it's it's we are really a family here at V89, and it's been really tough. But toughest part of this pandemic, I've said, in terms of like my social life, obviously many terrible things going on in the world, but in terms of like being social, not having this show, not having our meetings, which are mostly just kind of like hangouts where we talk sports and get some stuff done. But then we go off to dinner, go out to dinner afterwards, or, or we did, and that was honestly the highlight of my week. You know, whether it was the the the, the crappy Applebee's down the road, or hey, it's or, not that bad, <laughs> or a nicer place where we could sit down and and celebrate either the end of the semester or a Florida State win or, or whatever it was. I've missed that a lot, and I'm I'm gonna be here in Tallahassee, so I hope when it's safe to do so, we're able to get back out there and and, and spend some more time together and. Yeah, it's, it's, it's been tough, but we're back here in Tallahassee. We're being socially distant, and uh, that's really all we can ask for at this point. Gary, let's talk a little bit about the Champions League final. So uh, PSG, Bayern Munich, make it all the way to the Champions League final. I wasn't sure the Champions League was going to get finished when soccer returned in Europe. Uh, they come back. They have all the teams in Lisbon, in Portugal. Uh, they shorten the tournament, so usually you get two legs in every knockout round. They shortened it to just one leg in the quarterfinals, the semifinals, and then the, and then the finals, obviously. Came down to Bayern and PSG. Were either of these teams making the finals a shock to you? For both teams, not really. I mean, for a normal tournament, I, would have ex- I wouldn't have expected PSG. But for this weird way and how it all went down, I, I guess it kind of makes sense. But like the biggest thing for me, this Champions League and who made it and who didn't, it was Olympic Lyon. I mean, they yeah. were the biggest shock. They took down, um, was it? They even took down Manchester City in their route to their uh, in the Champions League in the uh, was it the knockout stage. Yeah. So, I mean, they were probably the biggest shocker for me this time around. But I don't know. It, you can't really say you're not surprised when you see two big names come up like PSG and Bayern Munich. So I don't know. I mean, Bayern Munich. Look what they did to Barcelona. Uh, was it eight two? in the semifinal that they beat them. Uh, they beat Chelsea on aggregate like 7-2 or 7-1. I mean, they destroyed those two sides. And it it was no shock that they were in it. No shock that they won it 1-0. Kingsley Coman with, with the winner, or a goal from a header there in the second half. And, yeah, you know, PSG, it's interesting. They're in an interesting spot. They've spent tons of money, almost more than anyone in Europe, they bring in um, Neymar. They brought in Kylian Mbappe from Monaco. They spent tons of money on him to bring him in. And, and they formed kind of this super team that they thought was going to be the model to win the Champions League. It just hasn't happened for them. And I don't know if it will. Like, this was maybe their best chance. I know Bayern was an incredible team, and it would have been incredibly hard to beat them. But if this is the farthest they've gotten, this is the farthest they're going to go, I don't know if this is really the model. And it sucks for PSG because... They could spend half the money that they do, maybe even less than that, 
and probably win the league that they're in in France easily every single year. They're spending this money to go out and win the Champions League, to become one of the biggest brands in world football. And right now, it's, it's, it just hasn't worked out. I'm not saying it can't, but right now, it just hasn't worked out. I don't know if they need to add more. I don't know if they need to bring in a world-class coach. Not sure what the case is there. Um, but they didn't play terribly. I thought it was a boring back-and-forth game. I actually thought on the day, both sides looked pretty even. Uh, and uh, Bayern just looked a tad better. And uh, it wouldn't shock me if Bayern set up to have that much success you know, every year for, for the next few years. Alfonso Davies, you know, young Canadian left back, one of the most exciting players in Europe this year. But he was debuting in MLS just a few years ago at age 16 for the Vancouver Whitecaps. You don't really see many players at this level come out of Canada. I mean, what have you thought about Davies before we move on? I mean, he's been phenomenal, at least for watching from an American standpoint or a North American standpoint, seeing him go out there and prove that, hey, this continent can produce some solid players is really fun to watch, and it's kind of inspiring in a way. Yeah, before we move on, Sebastian brought up a great point. Bayern, 11-0-0. No losses, no draws in the competition. They were dominant from start to finish, and it's weird kind of throwing in everything that happened pre-pandemic in what happened post-pandemic. It did feel like a new season with the leagues that wrapped up and a new competition in the Champions League. But Bayern did not miss a beat when they came back. They won the Bundesliga. I do not think they won the German Cup. I, I might be wrong there. But they win the Champions League. That's the biggest one of them all. And uh, they're going to be really happy uh, moving forward uh, with the team that they've got. Let's talk Florida State football before we wrap things up tonight. we got a little under a quarter of an hour to go. Uh, we're not that far off from the start of the season. It doesn't feel like it, especially when there's like basketball and hockey still on TV. You're like, ah, football, you know, we'll get through summer. We'll get through the dog days of summer with baseball and then football will be there. We're three weeks away from the season starting uh, against Georgia Tech for Florida State. I mean, this is really crept up on all of us, I think. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, we, yeah, like you said, we all were like, okay, like once basketball and hockey end, we'll get football because that's usually just how the sports calendar moves. Like we have, the NBA Finals and the NHL uh, Stanley Cup Finals end. And then we got just baseball, maybe a few soccer tournaments here and there. And then you got Hard Knocks, you got everything coming back. And I know Hard Knocks is already back. I think episode three airs tomorrow night. It's been weird. Hard Knocks has been weird. I mean, it's hard. It's what you'd expect out of Hard Knocks in a pandemic. Also, they decided to go with the two-team format with the Chargers and the Rams because they don't have that much to do. I'm getting players confused. Like a player on the Chargers, I'm like, oh, yeah, I thought he was on the Rams. I get it mixed up going back and forth. I don't think it's a bad show. Like I think they've done what they can. Yeah. But it's, it's tough watching them try to cut back and forth between two teams. Especially when they're both blue and gold in a way like if you yeah. if you have some color blindness issues or maybe you can't see all the colors right it's tough <laughs> yeah i bet i bet but yeah it, let's go back to florida state you know i know that they're gonna be positive anything that comes out from the players or the coaching staff this could be an ugly season one because they're playing through covid19 we have no idea how many games are going to be played if the season's even going to start in three weeks that's still up in the air but this is a team that had their spring ball cut down to three practices. The workouts were very scarce in the summer. And this fall camp is a very difficult fall camp with the social distancing and the masks and the testing and everything else. Very tough for a first-year coach in Mike Norvell to come in here and try to install a new offense, get to know his players, try to figure out you know what the best fit is on defense outside of the defensive line. We know what that's going to be. I mean, what are your feelings? What's your temperature right now with this team? 
at least from a fan perspective, it's it's nervous. I mean, you can't have any other feeling but that right now because the uncertainty of whether or not you're going to play, just the overall look of this team right now, and kind of almost a little bit of the climate around the team at this moment. Because I know they had the whole uh, Marvin Wilson went after Norvell after his comments regarding Twice. yeah tw- well, well no just once. he went one after him once because of his um, he supported comments. him the second time yeah after going after him because uh, Norvell said he spoke to everyone regarding the whole George Floyd and Black Lives Matter movement and Marvin Wilson called him out said he didn't do all of that he was said he was doing and then later on a few weeks ago when Warren Thompson and was a DJ Matthews saying that the COVID testing regarding mainly to what Coburn, the AD, said about how often they were testing all the results. He said everything was a bit fishy in a way. That's kind of to summarize his big, long Twitter posts. But And then, which was weird, because I remember that Monday when we did our podcast, I said if there was going to be a problem with COVID testing or anything regarding it around the FSU program, Marvin Wilson would be the first one to come out and say something because he is that vocal leader on this team, and he proved it when he spoke out with the whole George Floyd and Black Lives Matter movement. He said, in regarding to what Warren Thompson and DJ Matthews said, he Marvin said, I feel safe and comfortable with all the things Florida State is doing regarding testing and safety protocols. So it was weird to see kind of both sides, like two different sides, but yet still on the same team kind of go at it like that. Yeah, Marvin Wilson... You know he's here because he wants to be here. He could have been a first-round draft pick. I don't know how high he would have went if he decided to declare for the draft, but he could have been a first-round pick in the NFL, and he's probably going to be the top half of the draft or the first-round pick next season. He's not here to really improve his draft stock. He's going to be a first-round pick either way. He's here because he wants to play at Florida State, and it's not like Florida State's competing for anything this year. They're not competing to win the ACC. They're definitely not competing to get anywhere near the college football playoff or a national championship. Marvin Wilson is here because he wants to be here. And that was not you know, that was not more clear than when he called out Mike Norvell, and he was probably right. Norvell comes out and apologizes, says, I was wrong, which was, I, I loved his apology, by the way, a lot better than what we're seeing out of, uh, like, Gundy out in Oklahoma State. Don't want to get into that. But, <laughs> you know, it, it was a negative situation, and I don't want to say they turned it into a, a positive because you don't want that publicity out there. Uh, th- that makes think that players might not be able to trust Coach Norvell. But it, it, ultimately, I think a lot of good is going to come out of what happened there, uh, all the initiatives they're taking. And it really, if, if he wasn't already established Marvin Wilson as, as the leader of this team, and I think uh, Florida State fans should be really excited about the player they have in him this year and the rest of that defensive line, Corey Durden when he's healthy. Uh, they got Cooper. they got Kando coming off the edge. Denarius Robinson's back. Um, but let's talk about the offense. We've talked about it a lot on the podcast as camp got underway. We talked about him earlier in the show. James Blackman, 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 that he is going to play competently for Florida State this year. I can't say that confidently at this moment. I can't really answer that question either because I don't know how he really fits in or if he's been liking the new system that Norvell is putting in front of him because if he's not really taking to it that well, who says if he's going to be good in it or bad? So, I mean... It's really tough to say at this moment in time, but one thing that I can speak on confidently right now is about the O-line situation and how they've been progressing and that Norvell says he's been seeing them grow and get better each and every day, but he's still trying to find the right combination that can work in sync together with communication and both play-wise. He said he'd like to have about eight guys he can really throw in there and trust wholeheartedly, 
And one thing that surprised me, he said he sees two freshmen being in that eight top eight of those guys, and that's Robert Scott Jr. and Thomas Schrader. So hmm. I think that's some interesting stuff right there. Yeah, and Norvell is going to have to, for better or for worse, put in a lot of tr- trust for this, this, this young freshman class. They're not an amazing freshman class. He's a first-year coach, and in the early signing period era, it's hard for you to bring in good recruiting classes uh, in you know in, in this era in college football. So he's going to want to develop them, see what he can get out of those players. Next year, he's going to obviously have to recruit at a higher rate if he wants to have success in the ACC. Um, but yeah, r- really, really tough. A lot of question marks. You guys are going to have a lot more information once we get closer to kickoff. We don't know definitively if there's going to be fans at Doak Campbell Stadium this year. Uh, I, I don't know the answer to that. I know they've want to get like 20, 25% capacity in. Don't know if that's the safest thing. I don't make those decisions, though, and, and we'll see what they say. Before we move on, uh, Leonard Hamilton. They haven't been playing, obviously. Uh, their season was cut short. But what he's done on the recruiting trail, Gary, what have you thought of, of Hamilton's job there? Wow is one word to really summarize what he's been able to do for this 21 class. I mean, right now they're the number one recruiting class for college basketball. and yeah. In the nation, not the ACC. Yeah, in the nation, which is crazy to say. You wouldn't expect that. In I mean, that's just how crazy 2020 is at this moment in time, that Florida State has the number one, the nationally ranked number one recruiting class but they're not in the top 25 in any like preseason like way too early polls still <laughs> yeah uh, and i i don't know obviously they lost a lot you lose trent forrest you lose devin vassell uh you lose a lot of good pieces to your team so i don't know what florida state's gonna play but if if this class plays as well as they're ranked uh Florida state is going to be a force they um already had bryce mcgowan's they've had him for a while they had john butler a four-star center, 7-1. Uh, they had Matthew Cleveland, a combo guard, and then another combo guard in Jalen Worley, a five-star, the highest-rated recruit in their class, uh, number one in the state of Pennsylvania, uh, one of the you know top guards in the entire class uh, of 2021, and, and maybe like the the, the top of, of, of the hill in terms of Florida State recruiting in basketball. We, we don't see Florida State historically recruit players of this level we've seen them recruit five stars you talk about mj walker and some of the other really talented players but i'm talking about one of the best players in the country choosing florida state that's a huge huge vote of confidence for leonard hamilton and Nahima mcleod is the other guy i want to talk about so he was supposed to be in last year's class didn't qualify or ended up not coming to the school originally goes and plays junior college and he is going to be in the 2021 class uh, so he'll join two years after he's supposed to. Another seven-footer. He's 7'3", 230. This is a big guy. I'm really excited to see him get in the mix. I know we've already got Balsa Kapravica, who's already in the mix as a seven-footer. Leonard Hamilton, he can't quit the seven-footers, even though the rest of the country is kind of leaving him. No, he's well, Leonard's proven that length can win, and it's I like it because it's been keeping up. He's been staying consistent with that trend. He's not been trying to conform and go with the small lineups that just shoot all the time. I like how his teams are built, and he's sticking to it, and I appreciate that. Yeah, and it's going to be really exciting whenever they do get underway. We don't have any information on college basketball season. In terms of COVID-19, that's a long ways away. Uh, we've talked about how long these last five months have felt. College basketball season it hasn't even crossed my mind yet. So that is pretty much going to do it for, for this week's episode of Tomahawk Talk, but I just wanted to take a few minutes and kind of talk to the listeners and, and, and talk to the other members of the sports department and the other people on my crew 
Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure getting the opportunity to, to host this show every week. Uh, I've said it so many times, but I, I really think it needs to be said one more time. Uh, before V89, I, I joined like two and a half years ago. I did not really have a home at Florida State. Uh, my freshman year, I went to classes. I would go back to my dorm. I would play MLB The Show, and then I'd go to sleep and do it all over again the next day. I was really going through the motions. And when I got here to this station at the start of my sophomore year, uh, that, that really all changed. And it was honestly the best decision I could have ever made. I, I've, I've made some, some amazing friends, including Gary and Sebastian, who are here with me tonight. Um, I, it's, been, uh, it's been a really fun ride. Some amazing memories. Going to Baton Rouge with Luke Fay, who you heard earlier, Alex Krechik, Gianna Arantes, all members of the department. Going to cover Florida State in that Super Regional. Mike Martin punching his last ticket. <laughs> to go to the college world series. Wow. I mean, just like getting chills. Just thinking about that. We've got Reese Albert's three home run, three run home run ball sitting over in the sports office. It's, it's been a lot of fun and I've met so many other people. Um, but yeah, Gary thanked a bunch of people earlier, Nick Carlisle, Chris Camacho, Luke Fay, Ryan Kelly and Ari Masudi, who have been, uh, you know, great mentors for me in, in, in the sports media industry and, and helping me here at V89, everyone in the department, Austin Reynolds, John Arantes, Luke Hazen, Matt Povtak, Jake Mossing, Alex DePriest. I'm missing so many names, so I, I want to apologize if, if I didn't say your name. Uh, Olivia Rhodes over, you know, she is our chief anchor, and she, she's done, been incredible this year in, in helping out on social media and so many other aspects of, of our department. Um, but it's been it's been great, Gary. I mean, it's been, it's been a pleasure working with you as, as my co-host. I know you're going to do great. I know the show... It's going to go to great places, but man, I'm just, it's sad. It's sad to go. And I know it's, it's it was going to happen at some point, but I was hoping to get a bunch more shows here in the studio. Really happy to get one more here tonight, but yeah, thank, thank you, Gary, for, for everything. Yeah. Thank you for, I mean, for all that you've done as well. I mean, I'm just, it just kills me that you didn't get more time in here than normally than normal host would you know at first like going on zoom was like really weird and doing the, the trying to make up content we did the trivia which was a ton of fun it was weird at first but then you know just like coming here every monday doing our zoom call doing the show that became a, a, a really you know an escape for for me when there's a lot of crap going on in the world a lot of stuff going on and getting a chance to talk sports whether it was current sports or doing trivia or doing whatever we were doing in that time um that was really fun. We did a really great episode with Ryan Kelly revisiting the 2016 Florida State football season. And uh, I hope for, for everyone here's sake that you guys aren't going back to Zoom or solely Zoom again for a while. And I know you guys, uh, the station's in great hands. I'm not leaving forever. Like, I'll be here in Tallahassee. Once we're back to meetings and, and, and dinners, I'll be around. I'll probably call into the show every once in a while to give you guys some hell. But that is going to do it for this week's episode of tomahawk talk guys again everyone who listened to the show uh, w- w- while i've been host uh thank you so much my my undergraduate career here at florida state uh was, was some of the best years of my life and i could not trade it for the world you can listen back to the show as a podcast anywhere you get your podcasts um i don't know if i will i might get a little emotional if i try <laughs> to listen back but that is going to do it for, for this week's episode of tomahawk talk you are listening to wvfs tallahassee the voice of florida state